Yo, what's cracking? John Fitch here. John Fitch knows nothing. We're uh, lucky to live in an age of violence. We have a bunch of violence that we can watch on TV. It's pretty cool. I will say it is cool. It's, it's lame and gay as some of the stuff is going on in the fight world. It's still really cool to be able to see so many fights uh, every weekend. That's that's a good thing. That's a good thing, I must say. Uh, yeah, Hamza Zamir, good card by Bellator. So, I, yeah, I totally – there's so many fights going on this weekend. I, I drew a blank on the Bellator when I was creating my – my thumbnail because it was a Friday. I didn't get a chance to catch the bare knuckle on Friday. It was over in Bel Belarus or what was it? Somewhere over there, somewhere over the pond. And uh, they um, did it really early in the morning. And then they had another one on Saturday in Leeds. That was the UK. So there was two events uh, of the bare knuckles. But man, great fights, great fights. So let's lead off. Let's lead off with Bellator. Let's do the Bellator fights first. I did not watch um, all the fights because I had class and then I came in. I even missed the Patricky, Fiera, and uh, Shabley. I've trained a little bit with Shabley in, in San Jose. Shabley's a monster. Okay. And him and. There's a lot of fighters who are similar to him who, like, I think if we had a free market, these guys would prosper. Um, Patchy Mix, another guy from the Bellator card that I feel like is, is like this. Because they have very strong foundational wrestling and ground stuff. They're very good on the ground in wrestling already. There we go. DD, double D. It was in Bulgaria. That's right. That's what that fight was. Um, but yeah, but Shabley, one of these guys who is solid, can solidly wrestle you, can, can solidly uh, fight you in a grappling match straight up. And he has gotten his stand-up to a point where he can stand and trade respectably with uh, stand-up fighters. So now if these guys go in without restrictions, they, they crush a lot of people. Um, Shabley did very good. He won against a very seasoned Patricky. Uh, another guy, yeah, AJ McKee also falls in that category, I think. Very solid wrestling and ground game, but also good stand up. He was taken down repeatedly by Outlaw, Sydney Outlaw, but uh, Sydney was not able to do that much on top. Uh, control, but he was getting beat up from from the, from the bottom when he was on top. It's, it's, it's wild. He should not be getting beat up from the ground bottom. But this was a beautiful performance by A.J. McKee. Uh, this type of ground style reminds me, you know, you're getting taken down and you're actually fighting from your back. That's what's supposed to happen when you get taken down. You're not supposed to hold and hug and let the, the, the ref stand you up. You're there to fight, so fight from your back. Uh, AJ McKee in that fight, ideal. Like, kept putting pressure, kept threatening, kept elbowing, uh, opened them up with elbows, made them bleed. That That's how you fight from your back. Uh, Frank Shamrock, years ago against Tito, he was very active. It's a very active guard, very uh, aggressive. You're throwing strikes from your back and looking for submissions, but trying to get up and get away and sweep all at the same time. You're not just holding on. And it drives me crazy a lot of times when people get upset about the fight slowing down when it's really the guy on, on bottom slowing it down because he's not being active. If everybody would be as active as Frank Shamrock or A.J. McKee was in this fight, you would see much higher-end level fights uh, and a lot more finishes because the guy on bottom is going to be opening things up, doing damage, making the top guy work. Excuse me. And um, it also opens up submissions and knockouts for the top guy because he's not just holding on. You know, you got to do work. Got to do work. That's it. He's, he's, one, he's up there too. 
Dickman Dickenheimer. Uh, he says Tony Ferguson used to wreck dudes. I was back. So yeah, so it's another active guard. He's not just like uh, pulling the Paul Daly saying boo and and begging for the ref to stand him up. You got to do the work yourself. Coach Gloy, what's up, man? Super chat. Thank you very much. Much appreciated. Working with Coach Gloy. He's learning the uh, Fitch Smash system. He just got another implement of the system set off today. You should have it in emails. But yeah, guys. Uh, but yeah, so two fights right off the bat, solid, solid. And it's a shame that nobody knows or watches Bellator. Uh, I mean, it's uh, it's sad. I think I think guys like Shabley and the Key would be much higher ranked in a like global, uh, independent system. Oh, my throat. Oh, a little cough there. Um, but yeah, then we're moving on. Moving on. Rufian Stotts in Sabatello. Sabatello was a former Boilermaker, I believe. And uh, him and Stotts are, are not very, very friendly. <laughs> Sabatello does not like Stotts, makes it very, uh, uh, Plain to see, he's not a fan. Uh, but they had two really close, hard-fought fights, and they're very entertaining. But Stas has come out on top both times, and I think he just—he's uh, got good wrestling. And Sabatello is not able to big arm him and throw him around and dominate him completely with the wrestling. And Stas uh, has some good, solid striking to mix in there with his his wrestling. Um, Sergio Pettis, patchy mix. I could have seen this coming. Pettis is a great striker, but he's one of those guys that has just never developed the solid wrestling and grappling back background. He just hasn't. I, I, I don't understand sometimes. I don't know if it's genetic things. Guys, some guys just can't learn it, or they just really don't put the time and effort into it. But Patchy Mix, man, does work. Uh, is able to out-grapple him. Working his way to a submission, putting him away. And then the main event. This is probably the biggest, the biggest story. <laughs> the biggest story of the weekend, quite honestly. Um JJ, man. JJ is phenomenal. And we have all been sleeping on him. Shame on us. Jason Jackson. Jason Jackson, 17-4-0. And you guys are gonna get mad at me, maybe, for saying this. But I think Jason Jackson is the best welterweight in the world right now. He's the best. Amasov was a stud, absolute stud. Can wrestle, has some ground, has some striking, good cardio, strong. Jason Jackson beat him up. He was bigger, longer, stronger, faster. He's got a wrestling base and background. Uh, I think he's much stronger than he looks. And I think we've all slept on him very much. I think we've all slept on him very much. He had a close fight with uh, Ed Ruth. And Ed Ruth's a dog. He's he's tough cardio machine. He's strong, athletic, crazy good wrestler. Um, it was a close fight, but, I mean, that's crazy. Hamza Mirrors chime in is saying uh, JJ is a nine-fight winning streak. This guy figured some stuff out, and I think he's the best. And and Amazov, I'm a big fan of Amazov. Um, I think it's we got robbed. I think I should have got the nod on the Rory fight, and I could have beaten um, that guy, and then we should have fought. This would have happened in a in a perfect timeline, but. Jason Jackson, man, he was able to do what I didn't think anybody was going to do for a while. I said that a while ago. Amosov, I think, was the best welterweight, and he's going to be a champ for a while once he gets there. Um, but, man, 
you know, because I watched the Ed Ruth fight and I was like, man, maybe Ed was awful. Like, I don't understand how this guy did so good. Where's he from? Like, I've never heard of this guy. How did he wrestle so well with Ed? That's nuts. And then he fought uh, Gracie after I, after I uh, lost to Gracie. And he was out grappling him, out, scrapple, uh, out scrambling him. Strike, striking looked better. He just... He was a dog, and um, I was like, man, I was like, are the guys, you know, it, uh, because you can only say the guys had an off night, because that's, uh, Hamzamir, I'm seeing you here saying that uh, uh, at the same time, I hear Hamzamir saying, at the same time, Amazov looked off. Maybe, yeah, but you could say Ruth kind of looked off. Gracie kind of looked off. I think it may just be that Jason Jackson is, making guys jj may look uh make guys look like they're off because i i think uh his length and I, i'm assuming he's freak strong he's when you have length and freak strength and he's got pretty good movement and timing put those things together those are intangibles that no matter what you think about a guy's technique or ability you can't deal with it it's overwhelming when it happens and i think that's why some of these guys look like they're shut down or they're off. They're having an off night. Cause like how, like how you're trying to figure it out in mid fight. You're trying to figure out how am I, how am I going to deal with this? Holy crap. This guy's strong as crap. So maybe you tone it down a little bit or you play the edge a little more, try to see if he wears out. He gets a little tired. You get into a clinch position here and there. See if maybe you can wear him down or get, get, get the advantage on the angle on him. And no, he's just too much. You're like, fuck. <laughs> Like, I think that might make guys start shutting down. I don't know, though. I hear you saying, I hear you saying, Amzamir saying, because Amasov didn't mix it up. If you try to clinch with somebody who's super strong and they shut you down or you try to shoot on them and you run into a, their hips and it's like a brick wall, you shut down. You don't because you understand the energy expenditure that goes into doing that again. So you avoid it. It's like running into a wall. You're like, man, I could just keep running to that wall and maybe I put a hole in it. Or maybe I, I figure out a way to get around it. I'm speculating though, because right now JJ is looking like a little bit of an enigma. Because on paper, maybe he shouldn't be winning the fights he's winning and doing as well. But I don't know, man. I'm thinking like he might be the man. I I I I'm seriously thinking that he beats Leon Edwards. He beats Edwards in a fight. He beats Usman right now. I really believe that. I'm I'm becoming a believer. I'm a JJ bandwagon writer at the moment. Until I see something that tells me otherwise, like this guy just keeps impressing. He does everything pretty goddamn well. And then, uh, yeah, Amosov, get Amosov a fight in the next three, four months and let him build back because maybe he did have an off night because that dude was a terror. He's a stud. I think both those guys are top five in the world and can beat just about any, any of the big names you could think of, especially in the UFC. Like, I don't think Colby out wrestles JJ. He's not as athletic as that guy. And I'm, I'm guessing that JJ's got that secret horsepower that you don't quite understand until you feel it. Kind of like a, a um, man, uh, John Blank, Anthony, Anthony Johnson, AJ Wright, big man. He was one of those guys. Now, he was a big guy, even when he was fighting 170. Like, um, when you grab a hold of him, you're like, this is a different kind of person. <laughs> like, freak, freak strong. Oh, Hamzamir has got a good list here. Saying, Amazov, Shavkat, JJ, and Shaboy Sai are the best welterweights. And... We're not going to get to see 
these guys, you know, like we're not going to get to see Amazov, Amazov and uh, Shavkat or Saboy because the no, no cross promotion. We're getting robbed as fans and these fighters getting robbed for not getting to chase ranks and belts and glory. That's a good point. Amazamir, if Amazov can't take JJ down, then no one can. Yeah, there you go, Fitness Ninja. Rumble. Anthony Rumble Johnson probably cut 50 plus pounds just to make 170. He would cut, he cut 25 pounds like the day of the weigh-in. Like almost watched him die like twice. <laughs> Oh man, neighbor's dogs are going crazy. That's not you're not wrong there. I guess that is true. Soy boy fifty six says we might get to see uh Sai versus Amasov or Jackson if the PFL Beth ordeal is legit. You are not you're not wrong. Yes, rest in peace to Rumble. Dude was a monster, absolute stud. All right, that was the Bell Tours. That was the Bell Tours. And, um, man, that was a huge card. Great to watch. But, like, I almost didn't know that it was even happening. I kind of stumbled upon it. Like, oh, wow, oh, there's a, actually there's a Bell Tour today? Oh, wow, I had no idea. I just don't know, man. Sucks. All right, all right. So then we go to BKFC. I didn't watch all of them because, yeah, I was teaching class. Then I got in a little bit later. Um, where were the fights that I did see? Fox and Brown, that was one of the first ones I came into. Fox and Brown, that was a good fight. Fox seemed like a much more technical boxer. Um, I think the actual fight went to a, a, a decision. But it was it was a solid five rounds of violence of those guys throwing down. It was good. It was a good fight. Um, Atkin Henry, where's the? He's got a button for the fight stats. Atkin looked. A little bit old in his pictures, but he uh, he fought good. He just lost. Uh, trying to see what their stats here, what they're doing here. Matchup stats, results. Yeah, they don't have very good results stuff listed here. Yeah, this is unfilled. Punches landed. Nope. That. Go back, go back. Oh, no. Hitting too many of the wrong buttons. Um, what else was there? Mitchell with the win over Ferguson. Hodgson saw, I remember this one. Hodgson is a pretty big guy. And uh, he's got the win over Shaw. Holmes and Kroll was probably one of the other better fights of the night. Um, I kind of had Holmes like winning the majority of the fight. Uh, but Kroll was still sitting in there and still trading well. And it wasn't like he was getting worked over at all in the fight. It was a fairly even contested fight, but Holmes, I think, was winning up until the point where he wasn't. <laughs> right? Uh, I don't think he answered. I think he answered the bell. Um, but yeah, Kroll looked pretty tough. I like how they have the pictures on the website here. BKFC, you're doing good, but. Your your fight stats and stuff under the under the boxes that could be much better. Like, what they weigh in at, what fight weight class is it? More, um, more pinpoint because you got one guy listed at one seventy four and you got one eighty five. I don't know. Being nitpicky, 
And then the, the main event, Christian Warren. Warren is a stud. He's put in a lot of uh, good fights for BKFC, and um, he kind of made quick work of Christie. Christie didn't have a very good showing, and Warren kind of walked through him. I think that was a was that a one- or two-round fight. I need to get the what rounds it stopped it in. But, yeah, that was um, – a nice win for Warren. Made it look kind of easy. What else did we have? What else do we have? Oh, yeah. Now we can go and get into the UFC, right? Now we can talk about some UFC stuff. For a fight night card... Uh, I don't know. There was a couple good fights, I got to say. I didn't get to see uh, the early fights because, yeah, I was teaching class. Um, but, yeah, we have. I didn't get to see the Duncan to Julian fight. Brito uh, and Pierce. Brito with the submission. I did not see that one either. Where did I jump in? I I saw highlights of the oral ball. He looks uh, promising. Actually, no, I, I saw that one. I think I made. I came in. Well, that's after it had already started. That was the first one I saw because the uh, the Rebus and Pinheiro fight came on too. Um, Talbot over Aguirre with the submission on three. And then Chase Hooper and Jordan Levitt. This was a great fight. Uh, it was only three minutes, just under three minutes long. I really wish that uh, maybe Levitt could have scrambled a little bit longer and they could have extended this fight because it was really nice. It was, it was uh, good transitions, good attacks, good flow. This is a very exciting grappling fight uh chase Huber looked good he looked good and uh let it look good for a little bit <laughs> they were both attacking both going for it i enjoyed that fight thoroughly i just wish it would have went a little bit longer a little more a little more punches a little more elbows uh the co-main they're pushing this guy pretty hard. Uh, Michael Morales, him and Jake Matthews. Jake Matthews is a solid, solid fighter all around. I think this maybe would have been a, it's kind of a showcase fight. I think they're trying to set Morales into a, uh, a nice finish, a nice big win with a solid opponent. But Jake Matthews wasn't letting 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 that happen so he stayed tough he fought back hard morales is tough he's a big welterweight um strong fast capable he can he can grapple and he's willing to stand one thing i do notice about him often though is he shuts off so he'll do his combination he'll throw whatever and then he'll kind of step back with his hands down and and he just i kind of i call it turning off you're going for a minute, you're engaged, and then you step back. I, I don't like that. You got to stay engaged all the time. When you shut off sometimes, that's when bad things can happen. That's when you get caught with something you don't see. Uh, and then the main, the main event, All right? Brendan Allen, Paul Craig. I like watching Paul Craig fight. He fights hard off his back. He's got a long frame, so he's dangerous with the legs and, the, and those submissions, the choke submissions. Um, he can attack arms. He, he's it's a big uh, jiu-jitsu player that can that can smoothly shoot submissions up at you. Brendan Allen, though, I think is 
a much more based fight grappler because he's got the wrestling uh, aspect down a little bit better and he's able to control and get to positions where he can damage and look for submissions rather than catching. I think Paul Craig is about catching submissions. You know, he's the, uh, he's like the sniper that's just trying to come out and grab one little thing, but sometimes he misses. Brennan Allen is more of a bulldozer. He's going to bulldoze you with control and pressure until he finds his way to the submission. I think that's a good way to explain the differences in those two guys' game. Um, Craig's tough. He's really good off that off his back. But at the same time, I feel like it's much higher risk to spend the type of time he does on his back looking to catch submissions, looking to catch the arm, looking to catch the throat, catch the triangle, rather than creating space, creating movement, controlling the momentum, and then using his length to hit submissions off of that movement. I think he'd find way more success. But he's very good. They're both very good. Not wrong, Coach Cloy. St. Paul Craig needed to work on his tactical guard and space management in that last exchange. Yes, I think that's one of the things we're kind of talking about is if he can get that tactical guard and get that knee shield up, create some space, get some movement going, make the top guy chase him or try to hold him down and control him to open up other stuff rather than the traditional stay on your back, stay in the same little spot and location and look for sweeps and submissions. I think you need to use the space that you have around you and move, use movement to make things happen. Yep, I think so, Gloys. It's underrated, but you know, it's anytime you're a submission guy, they just they just shit on you. I don't feel like they really push grappling oriented guys as much. I don't know. I have a sneaking suspicion it's because guys who win with through grappling are are, are more um consistent with winning versus the the win-loss, win-loss style of a lot of fighters, a lot of stand-up fighters. Hams Amir asking the big questions. Says, uh, what's your opinion on Mike Perry training with Machida for his BKFC fights? I mean, people need to relax. <laughs> people need to relax. He's uh, He was at the gym when they, and they sparred. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, it's not like it's he's the only person he's trained with. It's like he's sleeping at his house. He's drinking the pee in the fridge with him. He's one of the guys. He, he's one of 10 guys he sparred that day. It's like well, people need to relax. <laughs> like That's not the right kind of fighting style for bare knuckles. Well, you got to get working. You're working on things. You don't always find the exact style of guy you're fighting. So he's got people helping him out. So <laughs> why not? Machida is fast. He can throw hard punches. He's big. He's got good footwork. Why wouldn't you want to train with a world champ? But he says to me, if I only get a bare knuckle fight and Cam shows up one day, he's like, hey, you want to go spar? Okay. Like, I'm not going <laughs> to say no to sparring with a world champ. Yeah, that's always was my argument. People always get mad and butthurt. <laughs> I always say that GSP wasn't really that great of a wrestler. It's just his timing was impeccable. If you have impeccable timing, you can have a shitty double leg and still score, especially in, 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 a, in a fight because you're more upright. It's easier to get people off balance. It's easier to catch people when they're stepping on the wrong foot and throwing a punch and stuff. 
And he was impeccable. He was absolutely the best with that timing. And that's why he was so good. People would be mad at me, though. Oh, you don't think he would wrestle in the NCAA? I was like, oh, no. I don't, I don't think so, necessarily. If he hasn't wrestled his whole life, I don't think he just show up and go do it. But he's still the best wrestler, wrestle, MMA wrestling, because of that timing. He has better timing than anybody. Michael is saying, I just watched a GSP fight. I think GSP was, GSP skill was his timing. Yes, it was his timing, especially with takedowns. He always attacked at the perfect time. Yes, his timing was remarkable. You're right, we do. We are we are Mike Perry fans. Uh, Coach Glory saying we love Mike Perry on this channel. I got I got nothing. I got nothing but warm, fuzzy feelings when I see Mike Perry on my screen doing something. <laughs> he's wild. But I don't think he's disrespectful or rude. He's a pretty nice guy. He might be a little hot-headed. I have no problem with that. I have no problem with him. He's fun. <laughs> yeah. Soy Boy saying, uh, Perry drinking pee with Leota is a legendary visual. Somebody should put that into AI art and see what it comes up with. But Mike Perry and Leota Machido drinking pee in the morning for breakfast. Fitness Ninja saying, yeah, GSP had the best timing with the shot. He was incredible. You think that if they fight yet, or that's coming? You think that's coming? It's coming down the road. Mike Perry versus Mundell. Ooh, shots fired. Hamzamir. <laughs> Hamzamir says. Also, GSP was on the juice. That's why a majority of his fights were in Canada. Ten years ago, everyone knew him and Vitor were on roids. Ooh, shots fired. You're going to get a bunch of GSP stands coming after you. No, I think there's a, this is something. It's a good question here. It's something I talk about with learning how to fight and um, self-confidence, right? Uh, Michael is saying, would average guys be dumb enough to start fights with you guys at the bar? Generally, no, right? If you're talking about young, drunk dummies who are who are 18 to 24-year-olds, they may try to pick a fight with anybody. They may try to pick a fight with a gorilla because they're stupid, <laughs> okay? But for the most part, um, when you know how to fight, you carry an aura with you. You carry an attitude, the way you move, the way you observe things that I believe people recognize. I recognize it. If I see somebody uh, in a bar, in a restaurant or something, you can kind of tell if they can move a lot, right? Just that a bit of confidence that uh, you give off is enough to keep people away from you. You always have mentally handicapped people, mentally ill people who will um, get triggered by that strength and want to do something, say something, be crazy. But for the most part, I, I feel that when people sense weakness, when they sense weakness in you and they feel like you are inferior and you don't know how to fight, you don't know how to defend yourself, they feel like you're an easy target, that's when they start picking on people. That's when they start picking on you. <laughs> that would be the greatest timeline. Oh, Rattlesnake saying Mike Perry for Florida governor 2024. Oh, man. That'd be great. That'd be great.
I enjoy watching Mundell fight. He's a, he's a stud. He's he fights hard. Fitness Ninja said Mundell called him out. I'd love to see it. Mundell's on a tear. Dude is ruthless. James, why saying does Alvarez have a chance against Perry? That's a good question. I think Eddie Alvarez uh, has still got a decent chin. He hits hard. He's fast. Anything's possible. I think anything's possible. Um, I think he's given up a lot of size to Perry, but maybe the speed will be enough because in bare knuckles, it's not about hitting hard. It's about just landing. Just land that punch. You're, you're talking about those two knuckles, those two knuckles in the face. It doesn't take a lot. We, we've talked about it numerous times before. Guys will get dropped with a jab, like a solid jab. That happened. I think that happened uh, with Warren. I think Warren landed. Isn't he softball? He landed a right jab, and that dropped Christie. I think that I think that did happen. It happened at least once that night. There's at least somebody got dropped off a jab. Happens a lot. Happens all the time. And if you're fast and you can just pop up, pop, that may be enough. It doesn't have to be the Hulk smashing. You don't have to crush them. You don't have to hit them as hard when you don't have a bunch of padding and pillows on your knuckles. Oh, man. Michael Gillette uh, is saying, was Tom? He's talking about Tom Erickson, I'm believing, right? Tom or Brock Lesnar, bigger person. Tom. Tom was way bigger. Tom walked around at like 305. When uh, Brock was wrestling at school, I was at Purdue. He wrestled our heavyweight. He only weighed like 260, two, two, not even, maybe 240 in his 240s back, back in, uh, in those years. I don't think he was he was huge. I think he put on size. He definitely put on size after he left. But um, Brock wasn't that tall. I don't remember him being tall. Um, and the majority of Tom's weight was in his legs. He had tree trunk legs, like long tree trunk legs. He had like a little tiny upper body and his huge legs, right? And his upper body and his upper arms weren't that big. Um, but just had huge, huge legs. But he was monster. Tom was six three, six four. I think he had, yeah, he had a good two inches on Brock. I think. But Brock had like these shoulders that were just like super freaking crazy wide apart. Yep, you're not wrong there, Fitness Ninja. He's saying Alvarez has good volume, but Perry is larger. We will see. It will be a banger. And then we'll see it too. Maybe um, if the bigger guy, Perry, is able to fight to that plum choke, if he's able to fight to that clinch and do work uh, from those positions, that may be something that can nullify the speed and volume of Alvarez because those little shorter punches – with a big strong guy in those clinches can do quite a bit of damage. All right, all right. Hamza Amir doing the research. He's saying 1998, 1999, Brock was 245 pounds. Yeah, he, I mean, he got, he definitely got bigger after college wrestling and you know he, he's just definitely sauced up probably for pro wrestling and then i bet you he he lost weight he had to come down in size i bet when he had to fight he was probably walking at you know maybe 320 or 315 or something when he's wrestling but then he had to lose some size so he cut down to 265. 
Coach Cloy saying, as an AMI, should you take as many fights as possible within different weight classes? I'm not a big fan of amateur MMA at all. Uh, I think I think it's too much risk to your health and brain for no pay. Uh, I think you're far better off getting amateur experience in uh, boxing, Muay Thai, Jiu-Jitsu, and doing those amateur competitions. There's more safeguards to keep you healthy and not exploited than amateur MMA. And I think it'd be better for you to have 150 uh, grappling matches and then 100 boxing golden gloves or Muay Thai with headgear and shin pad sparring, uh, uh, you know, than, than having 10 or 15 amateur MMA fights, 100%. I think you, I think you get, it's, a, you're, I mean, it's an already, it's an exploited uh, market. It's already exploited. All the power is in the hands of the promoters. So you're going into this highly exploited market fighting for these guys for free and, there's no real, there's no real adjustment. Like you guys fight for a little bit less time, like no elbows. Like are the gloves bigger? Are you wearing headgear? Are there shin pads? No. Like you're still getting real concussions. You're getting the same concussion in in that uh, amateur MMA fight as you are in a pro one. It's there's, you're still no covering of your head and four ounce gloves. At least in Golden Gloves boxing. You're having you have bigger gloves on. It's not the same as getting hit with somebody with the pro boxing glove, right? There are there are, there are, I don't know, man. There are levels to keep you safe, and we don't have it in MMA at all. You're you're cattle, so you gotta look out for yourself. You gotta look out for your health long term. Like, what is it really doing for your career? How's it really benefiting you? You know. Um, how much damage are you going to take long-term for a short-term payoff? I think, man, there's lots of competitions out there where you can get on the road and travel and compete damn near every weekend if you're willing to get on the road and drive to tournaments. Go to a wrestling tournament. Go to a judo tournament. Get as much amateur experience as you can in as many disciplines. Compete, compete, compete. That's one huge advantage uh, I see from guys who come from wrestling backgrounds before they start doing MMA and guys who do jujitsu uh, because they generally have a ton of amateur experience. They've traveled. They've been doing 10, 15 years of competitions on an amateur level. I think that's huge. Yep, you're right, Stephen Bradley Jones. High risk, low yield. That all comes with the ABC and the athletic commissions, which really the UFC controls. It's whatever the UFC wants. And um, now that one UFC is trying to get into like Colorado and other places, like their their money is getting the, the uh, the commissions to change the rules to open up to certain things. Now I have no problem with the limitation or, or, you know, taking away some of these rules they put into what I have a problem with is that all this is being done with zero fighter input, zero, zero. Nobody's asking any fighters. What do you think about what the rules should be and how it should be implemented? Zero. Not one mother grabber has been asked that's a fighter how they think things should go that's that's not i don't think that's good at all i think it's very bad and these and these and the abc and these people they know they could very easily help us organize by just giving us a seat at the table that's at least something we can offer the guys right away so hey guys come come join the mafa we got a seat at the table 
we can start telling them what we think about weight cutting rules and um you know rankings competitions what the rules of the fights are all that stuff like when when have the fighters ever been asked about judging why don't we have an input on how the fights are judged not one damn person has come to any of us Oh, man, I have no idea. I, w I went to school to be a teacher, so I'd probably be a wrestling coach somewhere, but I probably would have had a breakdown or something. I don't know, man. I was too too wound up. <laughs> like I, I had to, like, go. Ah, I got to get. I got to go and do. I got to find something. What's out there? I had it up. You know, I had that wild hair on my ass. I had to go. You know, I went through all the all the motions, all the steps, and I was right there getting ready. I could have had a job, and I was just like, man, this ain't right. Something's not right. I could see my life laid out in front of me. I would have been doing the same things every weekend, drinking, doing a lot of nothing. And I was just like, man, I, just like, I can always come back to this. Not that it was a bad life. I was like, I was going to come back to this, but I got to get, I got to get out there. I got to see what's up. I got to see what's out in the world. And uh, fighting was, it was my, it was my, uh, my ride. I don't know, man. Some people are kind of squeamish about the headbutts, but I don't know. I think it's possible with the bare knuckle uh, being more, popularized what's what's the bare forehead <laughs> in there if you're already throwing the uh bare hands that's interesting michael like the steroid stuff that was weird back in the early 2000s we didn't know and understand like it wasn't a commonly known thing about um uh what do you call it cardio sport athlete steroids Right. So everything before was like bodybuilding steroids. So when guys did bodybuilding steroids for MMA or football steroids for MMA, the way they did them, you ended up gassing out, having no cardio. Like there's all kinds of weird problems. They had weird skin. But then the technology got really good. I think with the Balco and all that other stuff and regulating hormone optimization, stuff started happening. And then uh, guys taking EPO and stuff. So you had a lot of like under the radar things people were taking and making themselves a lot better. So I don't think you could even know. There are just days though sometimes you would grab somebody <laughs> on, a, on a Thursday and smash them and then they come in the next Monday and they're like a new person. I know that was something that happened every once in a while. <laughs> pretty boy see i guess i have imposter syndrome to go pro did you feel like a pro fighter your first pro fight i didn't know what the hell i was doing my first pro fight I went out to Vegas all by myself. I had no coach, no corner. Uh, I had never sparred around a single round. Uh, I had the wrong mouthpiece, no cup. I had to borrow a cup from another fighter when I got there. I I didn't have I didn't I didn't fight with wraps on my hands until maybe like ten fights or something. I think until I started fighting four. Uh, uh, out of AKA, I don't think I had wraps on my hands. I think the Govea fight, maybe I let them wrap my hands. You know, you know what? I don't think I did. I'm pretty sure I didn't. No. The Govea fight, I didn't have wrapped hands. You know, like, we, we were just winging it, man. <laughs> I was just winging it. I had Tom Erickson set up my first fight, and then after that I met Brian Ebersol at the at that fight. And Ebersol knew 
uh, promoters in the Midwest. So we, we went and did the Midwest circuit thing. He'd call me up and be like, Hey man, there's a, there's fights up in Minnesota. I think I can get you a fight. You want to go up there? I'd drive, drive into East Illinois where he was at. And then we would drive, drive in, a, in a Minnesota. And then we went to a Brad Kohler event once and I fought, finished the guy comes up before my uh, gloves come off. He's like, Hey, I got another fight for fight for you. So I fought twice that night. Like, it's a different world, man. But um, you're not a spring chicken, boy. Like, you, you got to get things lined up and pull the trigger. You know, you might as well start getting paid now because you're getting punched in the face anyways. Like, it's no, it's no easier to fight amateur than it is to fight pro. You still got to have the good, a good matchup. You still want to pick fights that are challenging yet winnable early on but shit get off the pot you're not you're not 21 you know um like waiting another three or four amateur fights doesn't necessarily make you better or more ready i you know you got to pull the trigger on your training and getting your mind ready to be at that level Cause yeah, you're not you're not in your twenties. James, so Glory's my my first number one guy. He's on the Telegram. We're working because I'm kind of he's helping me develop things. So like one of the things Glory is like yeah like he's learning my system and he's kind of using it as a way to teach his students over there. As like an affiliate type thing, but I don't really have the um, like the class itineraries, right? I have like here's a system for one guy to learn the system, so like it's kind of helping like figure out okay what is the what does the class need to look like to learn to learn the system? How are you going to set up your classes? Amazon, I'll take it a step further. It should be one round. The fight should be judged as a whole, like one FC and pride. That's what Hamza Mir is saying. I'm saying one freaking round. Have have a 10-minute or, or a 15-minute round and then a 25. Like, do that. One 15-minute round and one 25-minute round. Who do you think won the fight? <laughs> Straight up. And, and I'll even do this, man. I, I'll be like, you know what? There's no, there's no, there's no decision. It's a finished fight or it's a draw. You finish the fight or it's a draw. You got 15 to 25 minutes to finish the fight or it's a draw. I'm a hundred percent okay with that. Who's the best striker I sparred with? Uh, Bane Ludwig was really good. He had a lot of really cool tricks. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I talked to Monty Cox. Hamzamir said, how'd you end up at AKA? Because Milicic camp was near you back then. I talked to Monty. I went to uh, that was the two amateur fights I had. I went to his his event in Iowa, and I was supposed to lose to their guy that they're building up at 170. And he told me straight up. I, I really appreciate Monty because he's honest. He's like he told me straight up. He's like, hey man, I got a stable full of welterweights. I just I don't have room to get you going. And I was like, all right, man, cool. So um, I ended up getting paired up with AKA through Dwayne Zinkin and Zinkin Entertainment, the management company, because when I fought in that uh, Minnesota fight for Brad Kohler, Sean Shirk was there. And Sean was being represented by Dwayne at the time, Zinkin Entertainment. And um, he gave a report back to uh, Dwayne that I, I looked like I had potential. So um, that's how I ended up moving and thinking about going out west.
right, so uh, Michael, this is good. He says, I want you guys to destroy the UFC in the lawsuit, but if you win, aren't they going to appeal several times and the lawsuit will get pushed back many more years? No, so right now we are in a situation where the um, the, the court date is set. The trial date is set. We're having a trial date uh, in April 2024 for damages, right, for damages. And that's covering fighters from 2010, 2017. And it's about 1,214. It's 1,214 fighters. Um, we go through this trial it should take like a month a couple months right and then afterwards whatever the decision is yeah they're going to appeal they lose they're going to appeal that's going to take a little bit more time it's not going to take years though it's going to take one appeal we go back and we do it again um if if they're allowed to appeal uh there's a second part to the lawsuit stuff though right there's a second class that was filed in 2017 and they're fought, and they're they're going from 2017 to present day, and then there'll be a third one when that time period comes. The idea is we keep suing them because they're doing the same thing over and over again. So each new class keeps suing them to try to force them and force their hand into changing their business model. Uh, so what we have is we have an injunctive relief trial is going to be in 2025, which is also going to be part of the second class. Uh, UFC's only tactic that they've used this whole time is just to stall, draw it out longer, draw it out longer, make as much money as we can while we draw this out, out this lawsuit. Um, and in order to stop that from happening, because they were trying to go discovery, open up discovery before this trial and push things back even further. So we're like, no, 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 we'll split it. We can do damages first and then we can do injunctive relief next. And, uh, that's what we're doing. But yeah, they only get they only get one appeal. They lose that, it's done. Uh, no, there's no Stephen Bradley Jones saying, are they trying to counter sue on each class? They, there's nothing to sue about. They can't slew a class of people. What did we do? What did the athletes do for them to sue us? We wronged them somehow? No, like we're making the claim that they have an illegal business model that has damaged us and they have to prove that they didn't. <clears throat> uh, Mark Hunt. Uh, well, he's he's uh, talking about the Fighters Association, but he had a separate lawsuit. Um, he is not a named plaintiff, I don't believe. Uh, he's supportive of the lawsuit, but he is one of the um, class members. He's a class member, so he's a part of it. Man, I don't know. You got tough guys who grew up poor who just want to fight. James Wise saying, back in the day, Sakuraba took down the Gracies. Is there going to be someone who can take down the Dagestanis? There's too many of them. It's not like a family. It's like a whole, it's a whole bunch of people. Uh, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I think Khabib plays nice with a lot of people he doesn't want to. <laughs> I think. But I don't know. I think I think there might have been opened something overseas. I don't know. He's always traveling. All right, dudes. Uh, you guys watching? Make sure you're you're hitting the uh, the like button. Make sure you hit the like button, guys. 
do me a favor and hit that like button hit the share uh send it with all your all your all your socials all right guys uh that's good thanks for stopping in having a chat there was, there was some good fights man there's some good fights i enjoyed it it's a good weekend good weekend of violence and i even missed a bunch of stuff <laughs> you know all right guys i wish uh um what was i saying oh like i found a bunch of like clips of the fights but like i always get dinged on uh youtube and stuff it's so stupid i don't understand why you can't share a media post that another media company made. Like, can't they always watermark it? Why is it? I don't know, man. It's just lame. It's lame. Copyright stuff needs to get updated. All right, dudes. Thanks for watching. And uh, I'll have a learn to fight on the Rock Fins tomorrow, 1.30 on the left coast. Yep. All right, guys. I'll check you later.